Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Chris Kluger about his book, The Fable, Life on Your Own Terms. Chris Kluver, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much. It's it's humbling to be here, John. I appreciate it. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Omaha, Nebraska area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about one of your recent books, The Fable, Life on Your Terms. I think uh, there's a lot there that we're going to be unpacking and talking about life goals and dreaming big and how that applies to our lives. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. As we get started, I wanted to share Chris's bio with everybody. Chris Kluver is a dedicated speaker, facilitator, advisor, and seasoned entrepreneur and best-selling author of The Aspiring Solopreneur, The Business Startup Bible, as well as The Fable, Life on Your Terms, part of the Defining What Next series. He has helped thousands of individuals, couples, and organizations find balance and achieve more than they ever thought possible using simple tools, candid facilitation, and unique stories. And I could go on, but I'm going to pause there. Anything else you would like to highlight Chris, from your background, your personal context before we dive on in? No, I just, uh, I, I've i been an entrepreneur. I started my first 15 companies when I was 19. So I've been in those spaces. I get it. I built them, bought them, sold them, wrecked them, and know what it's like to be on, on both sides, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. You're a serial entrepreneur um, that always <clears throat> brings a, a unique perspective to any conversation you know, starting a business is is uh, not for the faint of heart and then scaling it to the point of being able to sell and then move on. I, you know, that's that's tremendous. Many listeners uh, and many in my audience are in the same boat um, trying to figure out how to grapple with the people management, the, the organizational leadership components as they're running their small business. And then others, of course, are are from mid-sized to larger businesses and, and middle management all the way on up through executive levels. I think we all have our unique path in leadership. We all have our unique path in business. Um, and I, I really appreciate your background and I'm excited for the insights that you're going to be sharing with me in the audience. Um, let's dive on into this particular book and we, we can zoom out and talk a little bit more broadly too, because you've done a lot of great work with a lot of people in a lot of different areas. But if we focus in for a moment on the fable life on your terms, tell us a little bit about, um, why this book, um, what drove you to write this book and, 
and then we can start to to unpack it a little bit. Well, thank you again for for having me on. And I can say that uh, I've had the good fortune to work with a lot of different leadership teams in the strategic work and facilitation that I do. And and I've had a tremendous amount of fortune helping people grow a lot of 10x companies. We've had eight, nine figure exits. Uh, I've helped take company public, things like that. But but one of the reoccurring themes that I saw over and over with the owners and the C-suite is, is when you can really get vulnerable and when you can really have a good, healthy conversation, there's a lot of people who have tremendous financial success. And yet, when they're really honest and candid with themselves, they're still not happy. They're still not fulfilled. And and don't get me wrong. I think that financial is important. I love my homes, multiple homes and, and vehicles and things like that. It's it's important, but it's not the only way to measure success. And that was that was sort of the primary theme and, and that I kept seeing over and over and over. And I started to realize that we so many of us have have abdicated that narrative of what success is. And what I mean by that is we've given it up to the wine commercials or the scarcity mindsets of parents or peers. And everybody's like, dude, I have more money than I know what to do with. And I'm not happy and I don't want, know what the hell is next, but I'm embarrassed to say anything. So so that's sort of where it, where it started, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think that's helpful. And I appreciate your, your um, focus there uh, on living according to your own definition of success and not being reliant on external voices telling you what success should be or what success looks like for you. Uh, because uh, we all have different paths. We all have different upbringing, different backgrounds. We have different priorities, different values. And if we're constantly chasing this external validation of what, you know, some external definition of success and what it is, we're always going to come up empty. We're always going to feel like we're not measuring up. We're, we're not going to be good enough where, you know, there's always, we're chasing that next thing. Um, and while it's good to have stretch goals and to be trying to get ourselves out of our comfort zone, we should also be able to learn how to, to, to recognize our innate value and how we're enough just as we are. And we don't need that external validation from wherever it might come from. Uh, I, I think, for example, I, I've shared this on my po- podcast before, my own uh, personal background, um, as many students did, you know, as an undergrad student, I changed majors a bunch of times. Um, and as I reflect back on that, what I was, it was two things. One, I was, I was earnestly seeking, trying to figure out what fit for me, um, what I was interested in, et cetera. But I was also simultaneously trying to juggle what I thought the expectations were from my family, from my community, society at large, you know, what a successful career would look like, et cetera. Um, And so I found myself finally settling after multiple iterations, settling on a major um, and being fairly far down that path, thinking this is it. This will set me up for success in life. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have a good good, successful, stable career, good income, et cetera, all those things, right? All the things that people say are important. Um, and about a year into that program, I realized I hate this. Like I'm good at it. I could do it, I, but I, I really don't like it. Um, and I, the more I reflected on it, the more I realized I'm just doing this because I feel like everyone expects me to do this. Um, and I switched one more time. I switched to something that was far less prestigious, um, 
and I ended up going down a completely different path. Now, fast forward 20 years, I'm so glad I did because the the path I took was much better aligned with me, my values, who I am as a person. It's allowed me to excel in ways I never would have, I don't think, if I didn't like what I was doing every day. Um, and so I'm really grateful for, for that. I'm not quite sure why I was able to get outside of myself to see that happening in real time back then. Uh, I know many people... Um, find themselves trapped into careers and in lives that, where they were trying to, you know, fit a mold and do what they felt like other people were expecting them to do only to get, you know, 10, 20 years into their career and feeling miserable. Um, so I feel fortunate that for whatever way it happened, I had that wake up call early on. Um, but it, it's just a reminder to me that we need to always be doing life on our terms and not being so caught up in these external voices that we hear all around us in society because they're many and they're constant. Dude, I can't applaud you enough that you were able to to break out of that mold. I think I think what I see over and over and over is people end up sort of reactionary and reacting into one thing here or there. They could do this or somebody knew that or this was a safe job and 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 I think a, a lot of times with our parents they have the best of intention. They want us to be safe they want us to be secure. They want us to, and 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 it comes from a good heart. But rarely do people say, "Hey, go out and break shit, move fast, do stuff that's going to make you happy." Breaks and try it, you know. But and I think that that's kind of a a challenge that a lot of us are starting to transition to because my wife, my wife, uh, she's she's British, but she was the first one in her family to go to college. Immigrant uh, in the UK from parents from this country in the Indian Ocean. Her dad was literate. Um, she was really good at math. And her parents wanted something safe. So she became an accountant. And she had a great job and was good at, a, at and as an accountant for a venture capital firm in, in London. Very prestigious. But she hated it. So she ended up at 40 transitioning to becoming a couples and family counselor. And oddly, you know, she's done really well with that. She's 55 like I am now. But as a result, she's making more money, working roughly 20 hours a week, being an endurance athlete, helping people. But she she was able to redefine that. And I think that that's, that's sort of the intention with this whole piece is that rarely do we decide and define on a holistic level, not just in our finances, but also in our fulfillment in our relationships, as well as our health, what does amazing look like in that well-rounded life? And then we define based on that, where do we want to go? And once we can do that, it makes everything run a lot better. And that's sort of the general intention of the Life on Your Terms courses and programs and how we achieve that. How, how do you start to disrupt that? You know, I was fortunate that I kind of had that awakening. It, it required me to switch one more time and take some extra time in college before I finished. And so it delayed me a little bit, but I'm so glad that happened on the front end, right? Then if I was, you know, at this point, I'm 43. If I was 43 and coming to the realization, man, I hate my career. <laughs> um, that's a different thing because, you know, I'm married, I have kids, I have mortgage, I have all these other obligations. And, and that's where people often start to feel trapped. So for anyone listening, 
today, um, participating in this, um, either the, with the video or the audio, um, what, what could be those first steps in kind of stepping into the darkness and in that unknown as you want, as you start to realize maybe an adjustment's needed to start living your true authentic life and, and doing it on your terms while recognizing the rea- the sometimes harsh realities of the world we're in, where we do have obligations, we're accountable to different people. Um, we can't always just blow up our lives and start over. So how do we start the process? So there's a few different steps. Uh, the first, though, is always going to be creating some sort of uh, of awareness. We have to have a personal awareness of where we are and doing some assessment. And there's a tool, if, if any of your listeners want, um, because it's you, they go to my website. It's lifeon-yourterms.com. And there's a tool that it takes about five minutes to take it, and it'll give them an immediate holistic result of, of where they are. But creating that awareness is number one. And, and something else along the line of awareness, you mentioned the idea of people always kind of moving the goalposts, changing things. There's something called hedonic adaptation or the hedonic treadmill. And in essence, it's the uptight psychological terms for saying moving the goalposts. But if you catch yourself saying, man, you know, if I only had 100,000, I'd be in high cotton, it'd be great. And then yeah, as soon as you get close to that, you're like, no, yeah, you know, I need 150. Or, you know, we have the private jet, but you know, we really want a bigger one. I, I've actually experienced this with, with clients. I think it's important then to realize that you've lost control of that narrative. So that's one of those things that can also help you with the awareness. Now, the second piece is that I am a firm believer that work-life balance doesn't really exist. I think uh, our cell phones and and devices have off buttons, but very few people are familiar with where they are. And if you're not willing to embrace that, then you're you're never really going to have balance. But what I do think is we can have a work-life integration. And just as anybody who's choosing to listen to you is a bona fide badass in achieving things and growing and getting to that certain level, if you can put the same intentionality on a holistic, balanced life, an integrated life, then then you can start to step back and say, no, 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 no. What would amazing look like for my entire life? Not just my bank account or my career, but for my relationships with my family, with my partner, with my friends, for my spiritual, my mental, my physical health. And and start putting that intentionality because and and uh, I, I, when I'm working with people, I get in the, and I'm, even if I'm working one-on-one with a heavy hitter CEO, public CEO, they'll be like, yeah, dude, but if I take my foot off the gas, man, thing, the, the, everything's going to go to hell. And, and I don't believe that's true. I think that we have to give ourselves permission and embrace the idea that we're the primary asset of the organization. And as such, we have to invest in that asset. And to do that, I, I would make the argument that when you're a better a better partner or spouse, when you're a better parent, when you're a better friend, when your physical health is right on, your mental health and your spiritual health, you actually become a better leader, a better manager, and everything can expand. But if you only focus on, on the finance, you'll get a hit for a while, but it's going to come a cost at expenses in other areas, and you're not truly protecting the asset. Yeah, so that holistic approach to success is what I'm hearing you say. Um, let, let's not get tunnel vision on just like, say, financial success. Now, of course, 
everyone wants to be stable. You know, people want to be able to take care of their needs, uh, have a warm place to live, food to eat. Uh, they want to be able to take care of their children, et cetera, right? So there, there's a baseline, you know, that we need to put time and energy into to make sure that we're taking care of our needs. Um, but to your point, once you get past that baseline, and you get to the point even where you, you have some flexibility and you're not so stressed about money all the time. Once you're past that point, just more isn't going to be enough. It's not going to fulfill you. And it's not going to, um, you're never going to feel like you've arrived. And so recognizing that that's just one piece of a, a holistic tapestry of all these different elements of your life that you also should be paying attention to, I think is a really important step. I can tell you for us, we've been practicing this. And we actually, we, we go through the exact process we teach in the, in the courses. And then we, my wife and I get together for an annual retreat. And then we go away for quarterly events where we actually use a regular strategic planning cadence for what we do. But in the time we've been doing this, we've 10X our income. We live part-time in Nebraska, part-time in Colorado, both by choice, high country at 10,000 feet. We've, um, and, and we take three months off a year for adventure travel. We just got back from a, from a month-long sabbatical in Nepal. And, and on that note, when we did the balance wheel, one of the areas that we felt a little deficient was for our own personal spirituality. We weren't feeling strong with that. So we set a goal in 22 of exploring different options and different things that we can expand on. And as a result, we booked a six-day, five-night adventure in a monastery of exiled Tibetans outside of Kathmandu. I'm, I'm not going to shave my head and join the monastery, but uh, it expanded my thinking and got me to, to look at things a little differently. So it's it's putting that intentionality. And I can tell you that, honestly, I've, I've used a lot of what I learned from there in my practice. It helps me become a better, more vulnerable, open person. Yeah. And you've kind of referred to it a couple of times, but I know you do a lot of work around a roadmap, uh, road mapping um, to ensure alignment and making sure that you have things clearly articulated and clear in your own mind. So both for your own success, but also, you know, you refer to your partner. Um, you can do that within relationships, but as leaders within organizations, we can do that within our organizations, within our teams as well, because we need to have that alignment. So it's, it's one thing for me to feel, you know, like, empowered and, and, um, that I can be true to myself and chase my dreams. All that's really great. But if I'm a leader of a team, I also need to be creating an environment where I can allow others that I'm working with to do the same, where I can model for them that process and where I can support them in achieving their dreams and accomplishing really great things. Um, maybe walk through that whole road mapping approach, uh, for us. Well, so so with the road mapping and the and the the ex or the experience that we walk people through, it's it's start we start with uh, with the balance wheel, and immediately we start to look for arbitrage. Where can we find little bits of pieces and that people can start getting a little bit of breathing room? How can we get some basic hits, so a little bit of victories, just to start with? Then we use that same tool to help people visualize what amazing can look like. And we help people to start learning how to dream again. There's some tools we do and something we teach called the life-changing goal. It's, it's kind of like Collins's BHAG, Big Hairy Audacious Goal. But for me, I shifted my thinking a few years ago about um, ROI, return on investment, to a return on impact. So, And my life-changing goal 
is to introduce a million people to a new way of thinking, impacting countless lives. That's my purpose. Am I clear on how I'm doing it? Not 100%, but it's getting clearer every day. But I know then that I'm having impact and I can drive and that really gives me purpose. And then based on that purpose, well, it's actually going to be fairly well, it'll be fairly lucrative. But that helps. So so we go through, we, we create and we go through a process to clear our values, our true north, who we really are in our heart, so that what we're doing is in alignment with who we are and where we want to go. We have that big vision. We have that BHAG, that life-changing goal. And then we go through and actually create goals. We create, um, uh, we create goals. We create quarterly objectives. We have a giant bucket list of adventures and things we want to do to make sure we don't lose them. And we have uh, short-term things that need to get done and a long-term parking lot of, of things to hit. But this is uh, actually, this is mine. It's all worn up and, and tattered, but I, I keep it in my back pocket. And my wife and I actually, we go out on a date night once a week and we try and read through it. It helps us stay on track. It creates that accountability and structure for that. And that's the, the last thing we work yeah. through is the idea of ruthless but compassionate accountability. How do we hold mm -hmm. each other feet to the fire, because once you have a goal, and that's the, candidly, man, that's the biggest challenge for most heavy hitting people is how do we step back and, and, and think like a seven-year-old and say, you know what, if I couldn't fail at something, what would I dream I could do and let it go and start dreaming like that on what that is and get that energy and excitement again. Yeah. I love that. And that, that, energy and excitement is what can see us through the hard things that we face. Everyone has them. Everyone has their stuff, their baggage. Everyone has obstacles and roadblocks in life. Um, you know, whether that's physical or mental health related or relationships or, or uh, disruptions or disappointments in work and career, right? We all have them. But when we have that energy, it it allows us to navigate those those choppy waters a little bit better right and and it doesn't take away the hard things but it allows us to bear them a little bit easier um and and to learn from them and to then move forward and i think that's as much as we could ask uh, in life as we're you know facing the ups and downs and 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 all of that and as you were talking about with your wife and having that mutual accountability with your your goals and this big vision and 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 everything that you were wanting to achieve again, applying that into the workplace, it's the same principle. As a leader, I should be coaching and mentoring uh, and, and working with members of my team. I should be having performance conversations, help them to establish those big goals and then help them towards achieving them and then hold them accountable for achieving those goals. Um, that's that's what good performance management is all about. Uh, there's plenty of examples of bad performance management. We don't need to go there right now. But uh, but from the context of what we're talking about, I, I think that's one of the the things that we can focus on with our teams is is helping them to think big, to get out of their own way, and then to work towards achieving those awesome things, which by the way, are also going to help you look great as a leader. It's going to help your organization achieve and and and, and excel and, and accomplish really great things. Uh, so it's a win-win-win all the way around. Well, and I would take it even a step further because it's the same tools. I, I've done strategic planning and facilitation with leadership teams forever. And basically we're taking the same tools, but applying it to an integrated component of your life. I've actually worked with entire leadership teams and their spouses partners and gone through this process. It's like, well, how does that have anything to do with, with leadership? Well, 
I tell you what, if you have younger people, and, and I would argue that, that the millennials and the Zs are some of the hardest working generation we've ever had, provided they have a why. If they're clear and they have buy-in, they'll bust their hump. But if they don't, they'll bounce out almost immediately. But I, I remember working with one team, and there was a gentleman there, head of marketing, and he and his wife came up with, and they said they wanted to live in Tuscany for, for three months. And he was very sheepish about even bringing it up, but he created that long-term, life-term goal. And they talked about it openly and honest in front of the, the leadership team. And the owner's like, well, hell, let's make that happen. It's not going to happen this year, but let's look at that, say, three years from now. But to make that happen, you're going to have to have your department running like a top. You're going to have to be able to have some virtual access. But it, but what it did is, is it, it really integrated the spouse into understanding and being a champion for that husband. Because now he can say, well, I got to work 90 hours this week. And she's like, good, go, 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 go. Do a good job. <laughs> we're, we're going to Tuscany in three years. You know, but it, but it, it also created champions among his whole leadership team of the spouses, but they, it, it unified the alignment. And then others could say, well, I want to, I want to learn how to do this. And it was universal that they suddenly are coming together to help each other in a fully, like I said, work-life integration. It's not just work and life, it's together, but they can start to R&D, rip off and duplicate those same concepts and do that for their teams. And suddenly it starts to really expand out and the engagement that you get is that to me is what the new workplace is going to be in the world. It's going to be that kind of integration. And if you don't have that, you're going to, people are going to bounce out almost immediately. Yeah. Well, I love that vision <laughs> for <laughs> the modern or future workplace. Hopefully we're there sooner than later. Hopefully most of, you know, if, if I'm in an organization today, that's what I'm going to try to, to uh, create. That's the type of environment and the type of culture that I want to propagate uh, within my team, within my organization. Uh, Chris, this has just been a fascinating conversation. I know we've only scratched the surface. There's so much more we could dig into, uh, but I know the time and I need to let you go. So before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, uh, where they can find your books, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. All right. Wonderful. Thank you again very much, man. Um, so uh, people are welcome to uh, to go to, you can get my book on Amazon. It's Life on Your Terms, Discovering What's Next. It's a fable. And uh, my name is Christopher with a K, Christopher Kluver on LinkedIn, K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Kluver, you're welcome to connect with me there, as well as lifeon-yourterms.com. And, uh, and I tell you what, um, because it's you and your group, um, they can, if they heard about you here, have them reach out. Uh, we've got a new cohort launching in February of 23 that is going to run through. It's an eight-week course, and I'll give, them a, I'll give them a discount. To put a pin in it, I like to say that sometimes extraordinary lives in the unreasonable. Hmm. Be unreasonable. Anything is possible. And, and when you start thinking that way and you start openly communicating it, the whole world changes, but life is way too short to be miserable. How do you figure out to go out and thrive? I love it. Thanks, Chris. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Chris can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page 
please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.